Hey everyone, my name is Mike Henderson, the founder of Black Gay International Travelers and the backcollective.org. Come join us at hashtag Verse TV. Comment, like, share, and subscribe. Hashtag Verse TV, week 149. Hello, social media family, and welcome to Hashtag Verse TV, week 149. I'm Aaron Mack, and I'm here with my good friend, 20-year professional travel consultant with his master's degree in urban planning, founder of Black and Gay International Travel, Mike Henderson. Mike Henderson, please introduce yourself. Say hi to our hashtag VerseTV family. Thank you, Aaron. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Henderson. As he mentioned, it's an honor to be here. Um, this is my first time on Verse Team. I'm honored and it's. It, I would love to share information about my group and get people enthused about the things that I'm enthused about, which is travel and making social network connections. So it, it's. I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. We at Hashtag Verse TV are thrilled to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, first, for our audience who may not yet know, where are you from? And what do you love most about your origin journey thus far? I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, it's my home. Um, I've part of what drove my exploration attribute, so to speak, is it's such a unique city. And I've always been curious about it since I was a kid. I'm, Funny story, I used to even take my allowance money instead of just buying candy or toys, <laughs> I would actually use it on bus fare to just quote unquote drop myself off in different parts of the city, walk around and explore, pretend I was on an adventure. Uh, that's in my blood. And actually, my I actually wanted to start a group like Baggett. I have uh, a good another group called Black and Gay in LA, BGLA as well. Um, so what we do is take trips or we uh, do events around the city, exploring little quirky places here and there. Uh, and the urban planning masters was also a derivative of that mentality. I, I want people to feel as enthused about travel and exploration as I am. And also another reason I started Black uh, Gay International Travel is, was because the Black community, particularly Black males, we do not travel internationally as much as we should, so to speak. Um, so the danger in that is we leave the impression of us to the media as opposed to being in control of it. In other words, if you want to change perception, show your face. So, and kind of getting rid of some of the assumptions that we have, uh, you've heard all, um, they don't like us over there. You know, uh, why do I need to travel at all? You know, and it's the curiosity it's probably there, but the, the drive and the desire isn't. Um, black women, on the other hand, they'll travel solo if they have to. <laughs> so uh, it, Black Gay International Travel was started off uh, targeted toward Black males in particular, but it's opened up since then. Uh, that was always a long-term goal. But I, I definitely got some positive feedbacks and starting a group, and I'm seeing a lot of, oh, I didn't, this almost mentality is enlightening. I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could go here. Like, you really went there. Um, how was it? And said, it's not 
how you perceived it to be, whether you're talking about Asia or Europe or the South Pacific. The, I, I, it just makes me happy to see the same enthusiasm that I have and people actually feeling like it's, it's a real thing to actually do it as opposed to just maybe thinking about it or allowing peer pressure to talk us out of exploration and you know, showing the world who we are as opposed to and what they see in movies and TV. Fantastic. Now, you actually kind of touched on this just a moment ago, but, but I'm still going mm -hmm. to formally ask this question. What inspired you to create an organization that caters to the needs of the Black and gay international traveler? And from where did the choice of the name Bagot come? Well, originally the name was Black and Gay International Travelers. Uh, it's I still have the A in there, so I, I leave <laughs> the A in the acronym Bag Bagot B A G space it. Um, the problem I ran into was if I said Black and Gay International Travelers, some interpreted it as you're Black or you're gay. <laughs> so you, you so it's not like I I want to shut the group off to some people. But at the same time, the goal is to get more uh, Black, um, not just Americans, but more Black people around the world to travel and also make social bonds, connections that were maybe broken 400-ish years ago. And you'll see on my website that I'll mention later, one of the, the themes and one of the slogans is uh, rebuilding bonds across the African diaspora. So it's it's, to me, it's a, it's a way of educating us about ourselves and about each other, or we're re-educating, so to speak. Uh, that was the driving factor, is opening people's eyes and, hey, there's a whole world out there ready to explore. And by the way, you don't have to, you're not a potted plant. I always make that joke on my Facebook groups. Uh, it's free to, you can roam, you have legs, you have, a, <laughs> you have the ability to get a passport. And even if you wanna be an expat, you wanna explore moving somewhere else, you're not, feel free to uh, use travel to uh, research those options as well, which is what I arrange in my groups as well. Like we have a trip to Portugal coming up at the end of uh, September. And I'm also a member of a group called Black in Portugal on Facebook. And I'm actually coordinating an event with them that I think would be very educational and welcoming. I'm in touch with some uh, members who are part of expat groups in Panama. So those are just two examples. Uh, we have, we should have, freedom to travel. We should feel like we have that freedom. If we, if our economic situation isn't maximized here, there's nothing stopping us from maximizing it somewhere else. And so it's just getting rid of that, as we've all heard that plantation mentality. <laughs> I mean, to put it crudely, it's free to go. Uh, it's free to, yeah, funny. you're free to go, yeah. And that that's a beautiful thing. Now, Aaron Mack, me, I've experienced firsthand that the pleasure derived from a travel destination can largely be based on your company, your travelers, yes. your co-travelers. And in exactly. your experience, what are the three top travel destinations for a small group of Black and gay friends stateside and abroad and why? Uh, 
my favorites. I mean, I could talk about my favorites, but I, I'm always careful about not ranking places for everyone because different places speak to people differently. Uh, personally, I love Vancouver. It's very LGBT friendly. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I'm an outdoorsy kind of person. There's hiking. There's you go up to Whistler. There's uh, snowboarding, skiing. Um, there's whale watching. I mean, it, it's it's very similar to Los Angeles in that sense, where you have this big metropolis, but at the same time, it's surrounded by all these excellent natural features within a short drive. Uh, another one of my favorite cities actually is Hong Kong. <laughs> it's to me, I call it. I joke that it's New York on steroids. The skyline is by far the best in the world. The food is excellent. And it's a city, as an urban planning nerd, it's one of, to me, to me, it's one of the most laid out cities, the best laid out cities in the world. You have the different levels of the city. It's like how I would design it. Um, it's very easy to get around. It, it functions well for the people who live there. The, it's, there's no very little waste of space, so to speak. Like you go in an alleyway, it's, being used for some purpose, whether it's a night market or I've seen pop-up classrooms <laughs> in the daytime, like let's say it's too hot in the classroom, you have just a teacher just set up chairs and tables uh, right in the alleyway. You know, it it's, it's works for the people, which is, I think a city should be. It shouldn't just be some kind of uh, like museum where people are afraid to touch it or a garbage dump, which would be the other side where people just don't care about it. They just throw anything anywhere and act, act as if there's no consequences. So. That's one of my fascinations with Hong Kong. The third one, I actually love Munich, Germany. It's, um, it's a beautiful city, obviously. It's, it's old, but also has a young vibe to it in terms of the energy on the street with the, not to mention Oktoberfest, <laughs> but uh, it's old without being stuffy. It, you know, it's it's easy to get around. The transit system is excellent. Uh, I love the urban parks there. It, it's another one of those cities where I think works for the people there. And it's easily navigatable for visitors. You know, there's no question where you are. You, the landmarks are pretty obvious. And uh, I just found, I just had one of the best experiences there. I went with a, a friend or a couple of friends actually. And it was just a great time. I mean, I, is probably one of my favorite travel experiences ever. And that wasn't even during Oktoberfest. So it was just kind of like an off season visit, but um, it was unforgettable. Uh, when you say LGBT, I, it, you will ask the question probably later, but if you're talking about LGBT friendly versus not, um, I am conscious of that. I, of course, I read the State Department warnings um, and I would not, bring the group to a place that was overly hostile, or even you have laws on the books in some places, but in practice, it might be something else. So I actually would chat with locals if there's some particular place that you want to go to. You don't want to necessarily be barred from, let's say, seeing the, the pyramids in Egypt or Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> you, you, don't want, you don't want to be locked out of amazing places that should be on everybody's bucket list that um, because of who you are, if there's a way to navigate around it, not saying that you should totally not be yourself, but just, just be conscious of your surroundings and not put yourself in a situation where you could be uh, compromised. 
So, and that's, and I do have the briefings during Zoom meetings before every uh, trip to kind of lay out those uh, details. Nice. Now, I, I think you've actually kind of answered this already mm -hmm. just now, but I, I will still ask it as it is one of the questions, but I, I'm gonna name all three of these parts and this segment or section I've mm -hmm. called international travel concern section, all right? And the first part I did put up and, and you just spoke to it, but one, homosexuality is still a jailable offense with multi-year sentences in many areas around our globe, okay? And two, I am, and this is the second scenario, I am uncomfortable, I am unable to get my friends together for my first international trip that I really want to take and can afford. All right. And last part, the pandemic and international travel health in general. So how would you cool each of these concerns and any others that you may have encountered from travelers? So sort of what I, one thing way I address it is sort of like what I talked about before. I call it zoning. So in other words, if you're going to a place that has a recent history of hostility, if you if we absolutely I don't feel we absolutely have to go anywhere, <laughs> but if if there's an overwhelming consensus to go somewhere, or if I'm trying to convince somebody to go somewhere, it's the zoning part is stay in the touristy areas necessarily uh pay attention to and so the united states there's hostility here <laughs> let's not pretend that you you can just hold hands and kiss in public anywhere in the u.s outside of you know new york san francisco la etc um so that's one so it's not just because you have a country that may have these attitudes doesn't mean that every little square inch of that country has the same attitude so it's just about having that education of exactly where you want to go and what you want to see. Uh, of course, like I just said, um, you have to know why, like what do you want to see there that you can't necessarily find anywhere else and is it worth the risk? And if you are going, pay attention to exactly where within that destination. You know, there's like we're going to Africa, for example, in um, fall of next year. So I put a poll up in our group called uh, Black Gay International Travels on Facebook. There's actually an Africa poll. So where I had all the members vote on five countries to visit. That's one of the topics of discussion. Uh, should we go here because of the recent law, for example, in Ghana, the as they call it, the Kill the Gays Law, bill rather, it's not a law yet, in Ghana. Um, but there is a lot of history as far as the African-American um, pre-experience in Ghana. And there's a lot of obviously interesting things to see there historically in this beautiful, beautiful country, but it's a matter of being careful wherever you go. Like it's, it's it, there's no place where it's the same everywhere. Like I made that a United States example. It's just being careful and educated and talking to locals. Another reason why I have, I have members from all over the world, including in Ghana, who are gay, uh, who are actually in the group. So it, it's talking to people and not just blindly walking around 
expecting everybody to love you because you're an American or, or walking around like you have privilege of some sort, like you're immune to, or you're above anybody. So just staying educated and common sense, just like walking around certain neighborhoods in New York or LA. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's part of it. You know, it, it's ironic that you brought up the uh, Ghana's kill the gays bill because interestingly enough, that bill has been, it's being promoted and it's originated right here in Illinois, but that's, an, that's another topic for another day. Anyway. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Now also, what, what about the person who can't get their friends together, but they really want to travel? Should they just go on it alone? Well, they won't be alone. They'll have all their new friends with them. <laughs> uh, well, part of, oh, yeah, okay. part, of, part of the reason the group exists is not to gather groups of established cliques together. It's to make new contacts. Uh, you might make professional contacts. You might make social contacts. Hey, somebody might meet their future husband or wife on a trip. So it, it's... It, you know, these friends can always go on their own and their own trips. They don't need a my group for that. <laughs> the reason I created a group was to bring all these people with different experiences together, including people from different countries. Uh, meeting, let's say, someone from Ghana can meet someone from Chicago or some Los Angeles. And here's the thing: next time you want to go to Ghana, hey, come stay with me, my new friend, my new buddy. You don't have to shell out a zillion dollars on a hotel, and vice versa. Hey come hang out with me in LA as we have, you know, I, I'm going to be at the um, Pan-African Film Festival in LA in a couple of months. It's like, hey, I'm going to put that as an event. Hey, who wants to fly out? Anybody wants to hang out with us? Come on. <laughs> it's, I want to have that, re, like I mentioned, repair those bonds that have been broken. And we create our own privileges by reaching out. Um, you get benefits by traveling overseas and vice versa. So free trade, free ideas. So you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money traveling. It could just be a barter system. I, I, I love it. Now, I, I, I'm gonna go on to this question. It's, since you mentioned uh, different places and, and different things coming up with baggage, Baggage has upcoming trips to Puerto Vallarta, Vancouver, and Yosemite. Each trip and time for each area's gay pride season. Now, please give our hashtag VerseTV family a sip of all the tea on what we can expect with these and any Baggage trip. You made a good point there and you you pointed out one of my I've got a little secret but it's it's a strategy I call them umbrella events so you have a gay pride somewhere that's overarching and my event is kind of stuck under that shield so I personally love to go places where there's festivities where there's activity and I mentioned like Munich being alive and Berlin's one of my favorite cities for that reason too it just feels alive and young and energetic I love to go places where there's something going on, where those people are festive and the city or place is showing its best, its best, best face, excuse me. Uh, for example, uh, Vancouver Pride 
that's one of my favorite prides, just right there on the beach, one of the most beautiful locations for pride, um, Vancouver Harbor. Uh, you have Yosemite's Madness. It's not during Pride, but I just call it a Black Pride event. I'm sort of inventing <laughs> an annual event myself. I, 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 one of some of my trips are actually inventing events and destinations. Um, Puerto Vallarta, that's self-explanatory. It's I can tell you pretty much all the hotels are sold out right now. Um, everybody's excited and enthused. It's one of the best and most economical uh, cities you can go to, and you're going to Pride. It's going to be insane. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. I have everything is already booked. I have uh, actually a bar crawling tour, as they call. As they say, you go to four different bars, and there's like a I think you get like a two drinks per location, and they just show you around the the most popular bars in Zona Romantica, which is the quote unquote gay area of Puerto Vallarta, and there's a dinner that comes with it. And I also booked two yacht cruises. So one is just kind of conservative, let's say to speak. And one is more like a catered to like the nudist community. So neither one are what some may think. So nudist, nudism does not equal uh, ludism. <laughs> I'm making up a slogan here. But, uh, <laughs> and, I, and there's another uh, dinner planned at Top Bar, which has an excellent view of Port of Arata from the hill. So it's, it's going to be beautiful. I, and I stuffed all of those activities into the best price point I could. So, and that's another thing I, I want to encourage people to travel. And I understand, especially these times, you know, people are, don't necessarily have a lot of money right now, even if they, you know, wanted to save, it may not be reality for many. And I like to say, I have people from all over the world in the group. So what may be realistic for someone in a quote unquote first world country may not be realistic for another. So I try to do that balance. Um, or like I say, if I build up points from a trip or I reach out to the members of the group, say, hey, you want to donate points? And then I would allow maybe 15, 10 members who may not be from these quote unquote wealthy countries to travel on a discounted basis because that, that's part of the reason of me forming the group is to have these connections like if it's just people from the same countries hanging out together that it's kind of it kind of defeats the purpose but uh, Puerto Vallarta is going to be insane and there's some big announcements coming within the week, next two weeks uh, the Europe trip it's actually a month and a little almost a month and a half long we're going to starting off with Malta Pride in Malta then we're going to Berlin for Folsom Europe which is like you know, everybody's familiar with the San Francisco Folsom uh, event. The one in Berlin is that, and maybe a little more freewheeling, <laughs> so to speak. Um, then, of course, the biggest umbrella event is Oktoberfest in Munich. I'm actually working with a Black tour guide. Uh, his, I can give him a plug. His name is, his company is called Oz, Oz Tours. Uh, he's been in, I think he's been in business about 20 years. They're in Munich. Um, I do make a point of looking for opportunities to do business with Black-owned uh, businesses in the locations we travel, and that's one of the reasons I targeted him, and there's pretty much all of my trips, I make that effort first to see if I can support local Black businesses, uh, and then we're heading over to Barcelona and Granada, Seville, 
Cordoba to learn about the ancient Moorish empires. I'm a historical nerd too. So there's a lot of black pride still remnant, uh, remnants rather of it in Southern Spain. Anybody who's familiar with the Moorish empire, uh, Portugal, I have the Africa Lisbon tour, which actually is a tour that talks about the history of slavery it actually started in Portugal. And it's, it's very informative. And I, I do want people to actually learn while they're traveling and learning can be fun actually. So I'm not, I'm not just about the party trips. So and yeah, like, yeah, anybody could do that. Wonderful. Now, speaking of activities on the trips and not just doing party trips and being able mm -hmm. to go many different places all in one trip. Uh, Aaron Mack, me, has the multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I currently mm -hmm. use a walker to get around and mm -hmm. still doesn't walk certain distances. I still don't walk certain distances, even with the walker. What, mm -hmm. if any, are the accommodations for us differently abled to still have fun with the group? I do ask before the trip, usually during the, I guess before the Zoom calls that I post, does anyone have any special accommodations that they need? And the vendors I work with, they, some of them have been in business for over 50 years. Uh, they do, they'll give me a list of what accommodations they can provide. And I do make a point of, let's say we're going to, I, I mentioned Barcelona. It's very easy to get around without having to walk necessarily. They have the bus tours. Uh, and I would even encourage other members or even myself, hey, anybody needs a wheelchair? I'll push it for you. <laughs> I want you to have a great experience. Um, whatever you need. I had another member, uh, he has, uh, he's diabetic and asked about uh, the ability to get insulin shots on a regular basis. Uh, and that's something that the vendor, I spoke to the vendor about. So that's something that, oh, we've encountered this before. Just let us know the name and we'll make a special arrangement. So I, I do work that out in advance. I don't want any, you mentioned differently abled. I want everybody to be able the same, <laughs> see the same experience as much as possible. I mean, maybe hiking might be a little difficult, but uh, just things that are the highlights of the trip and hiking certainly wouldn't be one of them. That's one of the things I do to get away from everything. <laughs> so uh, that, that's not a concern. All I need to know is who and what's needed and I'll take care of it. Thank you. Okay. Now, you, and you've mentioned this before as well, so we can just sort of take a sip of it, but um, you have a master's degree in urban planning that works in tandem with your expertise in travel consultation. How have those lessons aided your skills in travel planning? It's allowed me to explore cities beyond, and I mentioned it during in my little bio on my website, beyond just the brochures that you see, beyond the glamours. So I want people to experience cities like locals experience them. And the locals who love them or the locals who feel 
a little could be improved. I want uh, their experiences to be real. So not just isolating yourself in some resort somewhere. It's like you could do that at home. There's, <laughs> you know, you don't have to travel to hang out in some resort, like get, get out, go into the neighborhoods, uh, go to the local mom and pop stores, go to the local mom and pop cafes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things I learned and sustainable tourism. Actually, I did a couple of international labs at, at USC where I got my master's in a, uh, one was sustainable tourism in Costa Rica. That was really fascinating. And that's something that Hawaii is struggling with now. Uh, well, two things, sustainable tourism and also getting the money in the hands of local native Hawaiians, as opposed to all these mega resorts that are being built. And a lot of locals are kind of struggling right now. And then the money is not really being filtered within the communities that should be benefiting the most. Um, so it's having control over uh, quantity of tours, uh, quantity of tourists, and also the experience of locals. It has to be a balance. That's another thing I learned. It's great, like places aren't, Costa Rica is not a museum. It's a living, breathing place, for example. And part of the study that we did was, it just can't only work for tourists because eventually it's gonna get to the breaking point where if people who are there are unhappy, <laughs> people can see that and it will ruin the experience and it's, it'll be a, a circular effect where tourism would suffer because uh, the locals aren't invested in the success of it being a tourist destination. And I also went to Southern China, uh, Guangzhou, uh, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, uh, studying the, it's also sustainable tourism, but it was an industrial build out because of the Pearl River was really polluted. It still is, but it's greatly improved. I would imagine since I graduated, hopefully they, they uh, actually read our report <laughs> and did not uh, throw it in the, the bin after, but no, I'm just joking. They, <laughs> it's, it's part of, you can have success, you can have industrialization, but it comes to the point, and China's experienced that recently where once people have, now they have this money in their pocket, they're looking around, oh, okay, we have jobs now, but what am I living in? So now I wanna work to clean this up. So it, it's always a struggle for any society that is industrializing, I wouldn't say for the first time, but on that scale for the first time. It, it's balancing the needs for economic development with the needs for maintaining the environment. So, and I, I do, whenever I travel, I like to go to places that have that mentality of sustainable tourism and also not overdevelopment because adding another consumptuous tour <laughs> to a country's problems doesn't help at all. That, that is very smart. Now also you, you mentioned, and I'm gonna, uh, mutilate the name, but um, Guangzhou or something that place in China, Guangzhou, and, um, yeah, huh? Guangzhou. It used to be called Canton, China, Guangzhou, Cantonese. Guangzhou. Yeah, yes, I think that's the place where my friend from college lives now, but oh, anyway, okay. yeah, uh, that's, okay. that's, that's where Yao, Yao Ming is from, the basketball player. That's his, there's a big uh poster of him <laughs> in town, but that's oh, Yao Ming, something. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now, sort of off the, the beaten path of, of 
the previous questions. What is the best advice that you have ever received and why? Uh, my recently departed mother, her best advice was don't worry about things that are out of your control. So, and I, I get some of my stoicness from her uh, in terms of even something, if it happens like something traumatic, don't waste your mental energy on panic. Don't waste your mental energy on negativity. All that energy would be best used on thinking of solutions and comforting other people. So, and if something's totally out of your control, uh, figure out a way around it, figure out a way to live with it, figure out a way to reduce the damage. Um, and if you can figure it out a way to turn it around, even better. <laughs> but do not uh, dwell on negativity because it just drains your energy, it drains your spirit. And just keep pushing, turn all that energy into something positive. I mean, we're always, all of us have challenges in life. We're, we're don't, we don't necessarily all think the same in terms of uh, our sensitivity to disappointment. You know, I, people, everybody grieves differently. Everybody handles challenges differently, but it comes a point where, okay, it's, it's enough now. <laughs> it has to, it has to turn around and don't let yourself be drained by negative people, by negative events. Uh, just take all that energy and flip it around into something positive. And before you know it, you pretty much that's the past you know the faster you turn it around mentally the faster whatever happened can get behind you that's what i learned i mean that's it's worked for me i i'd never dwell on negativity for long that's and i don't surround myself with negative people that's beautiful all right now do you have any tea or information on anything else going on that you can share with our hashtag verse TV family today? So it's in the planning stages and it's all up here. I haven't actually put the business plan together, but I will, I am working on a nonprofit organization that I hope will help other organizations uh, work better together. Uh, there's a lot of, I hate to say it, there's a lot of competition it seems for donor money. There's a lot of disorganization, at least in my view. Uh, and uh, some situations is the message isn't getting out there, what a lot of organizations can offer the community, whether it's the black LGBT community or the black community as a whole. So that's coming hopefully by early next year, actually um, working on um, my business plan and I'm actually gonna kick off research this year, probably starting in April, interviewing leaders of organizations, whether it's something as generic as, or well-known as the NAACP, NAACP to like your local LGBT, HIV community uh, counseling organization. And like, what are your needs? And I'm taking that data and plugging it into the idea that I have, but I can't reveal too much at this point but I'm excited about it. And I feel like it will be a huge benefit to uh, organizations around the world, not just American, to help strengthen them by not viewing themselves as an isolated uh, entity. You know, it's 
plug yourself into the network to help energize each other. I, I, I love it. That's what it should be all about, you know? And I think that you kind of answered this next question with your answer to the first one, but I'll still state it in mm -hmm. case you have anything extra. Now you see we have gone live and what is next for Mike Henderson and Baggett? Trips, trips and involvement. I'm looking for event hosts. So there's only one of me. <laughs> So I actually want to empower people to be trip and like, I call them trip captains, where they actually host a trip under the baggage flag um, with my guidance. And this will actually encourage more people to get involved. So I don't want to, I never wanted this to turn into, oh, uh, what's Mike coming up with next? So he's here to entertain me. <laughs> like I'm you're just dancing around for people. It's like, no, this is your group too. These are your groups too. Um, I want this to be for everybody. I want people to feel like, or even yourself, right? like if there's a place you mentioned Guangzhou, hey, you've been there before, I would imagine, to visit your friend, um, set up a trip. <laughs> no. <laughs> or you um, want to. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not my top place. Yeah. Technically, my top place I get you. Nairobi, but anyway. Oh, now you're, now you're speaking. Yeah, I just, if people, if there's a dream location, um, feel free to share. I encourage that with the group and don't feel as if you have to stay silent and just wait for me to randomly bring it up. <laughs> so I want people to live out their dreams. I want to, if there's some place you like, you want to go to Antarctica, you want to see penguins, you want to do the Antarctica cruise, which actually sounds amazing to me. And it's another thing. Uh, I want to do things that people don't expect us to do. When I say us, I mean, Black folk. <laughs> well, you guys are going, I, there's actually a group, uh, I think it's called Black and Everest, um, if I remember. Is a, they're actually, they, I don't know if they're climbing Everest, but they're going to the base camp. And that's not something people think, of, oh, there's Black people here. Like, wait, <laughs> we're not supposed to do that. And my mentality is who says, says who? We can do anything we want. But we can yeah. ski, we can bungee jump, yeah. we can we can go scuba diving, we can climb Mount Everest if we want to. But why are we limiting ourselves for no reason? That's what, another reason I created the groups. Let's go on these adventures. Let's explore more. I am not going to lie, and I didn't want to say this because I didn't want to reveal that I am not at this time, but. I am going to say I am, and maybe this is actually beneficial to somebody. Yes, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. I am interested in being a part of Bagot, you know, and the question that comes from that, it doesn't matter where you live to be a member of Bagot? No, it's an international group. Uh, that does not matter. I have members from all over the world, every corner of the world. Uh, so you can live in Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, oh yeah, that, that corner counts too. <laughs> every corner that has a street light, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, or even some where the street light is dimmed a little bit. Uh, yeah, there's members from all over the world. That's not a concern. Uh, and that's part of the point of the group is to give people 
a chance to travel and and get out of that mentality of is my world here there's not much i need to see anywhere else and i want people to get that curiosity going and spark it it's a bug like once you travel once it's it becomes an addiction <laughs> like once you once you get out of your bubble their comfort zone there's no it's no going back uh, that's that's the energy i want people to feel after their first baggage trip all right and now let's move into these five general verse hashtag verse TV questions that we ask all of our first time guests. Okay. First question. If you had all the money power necessary, what would you do change that you feel would most benefit the LGBT plus community? So the way I view it is I wouldn't just use it to buy things, especially not for myself. I would invest um, and teach, hopefully create a situation where I can help other people invest and to grow that wealth. So money is fleeting. It's, it's, it's a, it never, it's, it's finite if you just let it sit still. <laughs> so I can have a zillion dollars. Yeah, eventually it'll run out, maybe not in my lifetime, but eventually it will. But I want to teach people how to grow it, how to make it work for them as opposed to them working for it or just viewing material things as something that they have to get because they're they're told to. Like I don't I could drive a luxury car, but I don't. I'd rather spend that money on travel and experiences that I can remember for the rest of my life. You know, cars come and grow, like jewelry can come and go, fancy clothes come and go, they can shrink on you. <laughs> uh, all those are just like superficial things. So I, I would hope to be able to use that money to educate people about money. Nice. All right. And the next question starts off with a quote. And the quote is, quote, Ask not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, but ask me, what am I living for in detail? Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for, end quote. And that's a quote by Thomas Merton. The question I will ask, what is your goal in life? What is slowing you from achieving your goal? The only goal I ever believe in, I've ever believed in even when I was a kid is personal growth. That's the only goal that matters. Nothing else matters. Everything, everything is derivative of that. And if you have a good heart, people around you and people um, whose lives you touch directly or indirectly will benefit from that. So the more you grow, you mature, um, you get outside yourself, you realize that you, you have it better off possibly than many others and you share uh, joy that you might have in your life or even just show it out, even if you're just showing it outwardly, uh, people see that and you become a positive light in the world. So, and that's all, that all comes from personal growth. If, you know, I was really, like when I was in the closet, I was really shy and I couldn't even go to the mall without having social anxiety. You know, I would like literally have to like run out of there. <laughs> 
because I, I just couldn't be around people. It got to the point where I, I kind of viewed the world as the enemy. And then once you get that mentality, you kind of, you really are inside of yourself. Um, once I got to the point, once I got a little older and got to the point of, you know, that's, that's stunting me. Um, I have to get to the point where I stop caring about what other people think necessarily, um, start developing, um, I guess you could say developing an ego, which is a form of self-love as long as it's not destructive. Mm -hmm. And once you get to that point and then you, the growth starts. So, and I, I think that's, to me, that's the only goal that matters is personal growth because everything, like I said, everything else just is like branches on a, off a tree. You know, it just, it just stems from that. You, um, you can't do anything without it, even if you could have the best ideas in the world, but if you're stunted mentally, you're stunted in your attitude, uh, that's, it, it will go nowhere. Absolutely. All right. That, that's an interesting perspective on it because like you said, it's personal. You, you have to have the tree from which the branches grow mm -hmm. and that's how you can reach. I love it. I love it. Perfect. All right. Our next question is, what is your hashtag deepest tea, i.e., something that you've never shared on media before, but something that you're willing to share, of course. Hmm. <laughs> well, Deepest. I, I don't know if it's juicy. I mean, I've never, I'm pretty much uh, aromantic in terms of, I, I've, not, I've never viewed romantic relationships necessarily as being something that I want. So not saying I'm, you know, around town all the time, but at the same time. Uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm able to do a group like this, where I have a, I dedicate a lot of my time to making, hopefully improving the lives of many, hopefully thousands, millions around the world. Uh, once I, the organization grows and more and more people learn about it. Um, but I never, I never viewed that as something necessarily in my life, necessary in my life. Um, some it may be a need for some, but I view that as something I wouldn't say I can't be cynical and say it would hold me back. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I don't view that as a detriment. I actually view that as an attribute because that means I can give my my love and attention to family, friends, and people I just meet. You know, hey, tell me uh, what kind of dream you would like to achieve, and do you want to hang out with this group and grow um, together. That's another goal of the group. Uh, feel free to join up. It, it's so funny that you say that because I was actually just talking with another friend of mine from college about the fact that he's like, sometimes I wonder if I'm either asexual or aromantic because I am yeah. just not. And oh, yeah. it, it's interesting. And he's a member of our queer community, if you will. So I am sure. definitely going to be like, you need to get in bag it with me. Anyway, anyway, okay. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, just that there's a lot of, in the queer community, there's a lot of pressure. Oh, you're single, you don't have a boyfriend. Like, there's always this pressure to be connected one way or another. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like, 
how do you it's it's almost like uh something where they view as you're not valid in the community if you're not in a relationship or you're not taking the 180 where you're all around town so to speak so yeah it's just funny that you say that so but i just got to the point where i, I resist that kind of peer pressure and it, because that would that would be a disaster for both parties if i gave into that you are an interesting person my friend all right and, oh. and, and yeah you. you know <laughs> you're well not on purpose <laughs> well it, it just comes out naturally <laughs> and that's what it's all about being yeah. nat naturally being yourself you know that's how you grow anyway okay exactly. so what are some stumbling blocks that you've had on your path up and how did you overcome? Uh, as I mentioned before, one of the, the biggest stumbling block is just self-confidence, uh, believing that growth is possible. And you know, a lot of, I think a lot of young gay men, I don't know, in particular the gay black community, where it's not necessarily, at least in the era that I grew up, I'm, I'm 49, so just growing up where it's just kind of like not talked about, but at the same time, if people treat you like you're invisible, like the real you, you almost become invisible to yourself and that there's no possibility for growth there. Right? And you've also, you're constantly feel like you're, in a, you're acting <laughs> and you have to be somebody you're not. So you never really learn who you are until much later. And I, I think a lot of us, uh, even into our 30s and 40s, we, we become we're stunted, you know, this delayed adolescence. And it's it's sad, uh, but it, I think it's getting better. Uh, actually, it is getting better. I mean, <laughs> it's noticeably better, but it, it was a challenge. So once I got over that and got to the point where hey, uh, you only have one life and you, unless they're paying your bills, unless they're, <laughs> you know, putting clothes on your back, unless they're, you know, physically holding you up and moving your legs and arms, uh, don't even worry about what people say. Just do, you do you, um, have some common sense, be safe, you know, at the same time, you know, that you don't owe anybody anything. You just take care of yourself first before you can even uh, be a valuable part of anybody else's life. And if people only love you and care about you for you, what they perceive you to be, they don't really love you at all. So they don't even know you if you're just going around uh, pretending you're something you're not. So that, that was the biggest stumbling block. And I, I don't think my story is unique. <laughs> I think that's, that's, uh, that's still a part of our community. We, oh my but God. I think it's getting better. It is, it, it, it is like Gen Z is, I, I say this almost every week on the show, just how impressed I am with Gen Z being so yes. much more open. And oh, yeah. it, it's a beautiful thing. Anyway. For sure, yeah. All right. Last question for the questions. What are some things that you would like to be left in the legacy time capsule for your work? It may sound cheesy, but I would like uh, media and photos of our different trips and testimonials. Um, I say that because 
the goal, I guess my goal is personal growth, but the fruit from those limbs that grow out would be the personal growth of others and those testimonials and the happiness that I hope is generated from it, uh, whether it's uh, streaming videos, whether it's photos, um, it's not about me. I don't need to put you know, any artifacts of myself. It's, it's about what, this, what fruit this bears. I would love to have that be in the capsule so they could see, hey, this organization and these people made the effort to get outside of the box and encourage others to and start talking to one another and developing stronger bonds and by extension, uh, developing in their own self-worth and uh, growing together. So if I was gonna put everything in a box, metaphorically it would be the groups as well you should that that's fantastic and it's fantastic that you have such things thank you yes and where on media can you be found you and Baggett black and gay international travel so we do have our facebook page uh Black and Gay International Travelers. Uh, there's also Meetup, same name, Black and Gay International, international Travelers. There's, we're also on Meetup, uh, Black and Gay in LA. And I just started a new group, Black in Asia, so that would focus on specifically on uh, not necessarily Black LGBT, but uh, Black adults uh, traveling to Asia. And the reason I, I love, that's one of my specialties as far as planning travel, but it, it also is, if you're going to get out of your comfort zone, it's one of the most, the places that probably differs from our own culture that we're used to the most in terms of like, especially Southeast Asia. So I, and the reason, another reason I targeted is that the further we get out of our comfort zone together, that opens up vulnerability that, and with vulnerability comes growth. So if everybody's kind of, I mean, you mentioned those clicks before, hey, I want to travel with my friends, whatever, that's fine. But if we're all kind of sharing an adventure together where everybody's kind of a little off kilter, <laughs> I don't know where I am. They don't necessarily speak what I speak. Uh, you know, it's kind of, this is different kind of food, different experiences. And with that comes, uh, hey, I need my buddy here. <laughs> let's, let's explore this together. You know, and then next thing you know, you got people uh, opening themselves up to learning about one another. So I, I do want people to be a little uncomfortable. I do want, you know, like I mentioned the resorts, like, okay, <laughs> you can sit there, but are you growing? Uh, travel is growth. Travel is uh, developing a community if you're going with a group. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I like, to, uh, I like to make people uncomfortable for the purpose of growth, not to, uh, create a bad experience. It may seem bad at first, but uh, if they are, have an open mind, if they have a curious mind, they could turn into the, one of the most wonderful experiences they can have in their life. There it is, bag it, your growth. 